0: so good to be together this morning i hope you had a blast over spring break maybe got a little bit of rest or maybe got a little vacation got out of town a little bit i hope that it was wonderful we're back this morning to begin our final session of bible study for this year and i can hardly believe that i'm even saying that uh, but our spring session of bible study and it is very very good to have you here i'm also uh, thrilled because I get the opportunity to introduce you to our final well I mean I'll say our most recent Bible study that we've published here in-house Um, life on the vine and I hope you picked up a book on the way in this morning if you didn't you can run back to the back table and grab one right now this will be our bible study for the next six weeks Um, and uh, as I said we published this in-house so I hope as you thumb through it you look and see how beautiful it is and can just really appreciate the wonderful work that went into it We have a staff writer here on our staff, Uh, her name is Cindy Western, many of you know her, she wrote Centered and has written a lot of our Bible studies, she wrote this, and then the teaching team is going to be here, so you'll have a series of teachers over the next six weeks, um, I'm going to do an introduction today, and then a series of teachers who will be here to teach this session with you, and it is going to be absolutely wonderful, we have been studying the scriptures together, we've been praying together, we've been preparing, we've been practicing, we've been critiquing one another. It's all the things. And the teaching team is ready and very excited to be here. I'm going to let them introduce themselves as they get up each week. And so I am looking forward to hearing those introductions as well. But Life on the Vine, it's about the fruit of the Spirit, What is the fruit of the Spirit exactly? Well, the answer to that question actually comes from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. If you like to have Bibles open, go ahead and do that. If you've got a hard copy with you or a digital device, um, please feel free to open to Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23. We're going to be there for a couple of minutes, and then we're going to go to the Gospel of John. Um, but, But to start off with, this is the fruit of the Spirit. According to the Apostle Paul, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, just a little bit of backstory for the Apostle Paul. He had actually been to this region of Galatia a couple of years earlier, before he wrote this letter, and he had planted a church there, at least one church, maybe more than one. And he's writing this letter now, a couple years later, back to the church, the people in Galatia, and he is um, trying to express to them what is the nature of the spiritual life. You see, after Paul planted this church, some other teachers came into that church in Galatia and they were bringing uh, false teaching. Basically, they believed in Jesus also, but they were having a hard time letting go of the Old Testament Law, And so they were trying to teach the Galatians that they needed to be obedient to the Torah, to the Old Testament law, in order to be good Christians. In other words, they had to become good Jews before they could become good Christians. And Paul was writing this letter to say, no that is not how this works the law the torah is actually obsolete there's no amount of following the rules no amount of following the law that can make you holy that can bring about this abundance of life that god wants us to live in that is a that is a job for the holy spirit only so if you're trying to live by the law he said Paul calls that living in the flesh, trying to live by the law, trying to follow all the rules. That's that's counting on your own capacity, your own ability to do it. If you try really hard and you get your willpower really involved, then maybe I can really be a good person. I can really be transformed if I try myself. And Paul is saying, we can't do it. There's no way we can do it. We must rely on the Holy Spirit. And he calls that walking in the spirit walking or living in the spirit and he says that this is what happens when we walk in the spirit love joy peace patience Kindness goodness gentleness and self-control these things start to blossom and bloom in our lives and then they become fruit in our lives That's the fruit of the spirit. I love the way Eugene Peterson Translates this in the message and so I'm going to read it to you. We'll leave this verse up there This is from the NIV This is how dr. Peterson says the same thing goes to the same list So see if you can follow along in the NIV with the way uh, Dr. Peterson puts it in the message But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same as the way fruit appears in an orchard, or as we're going to have it in a vineyard. We're going to be talking about vineyards. As fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism, he says, is helpless in bringing this about. Following the rules is helpless in bringing this about. In fact, it only gets in the way when we try to use legalism and rule following in order to do it. This is under the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's another way to look at life in, um, in the Holy Spirit. Relationships. So I'll ask you, have you ever been part of a complicated relationship? Have you ever felt misunderstood? Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever betrayed someone? Have you ever rehearsed through conversations in your mind over and over again, wishing you could go back and say the right thing this time? Well, imagine what those relationships could have been like if they'd been permeated with these qualities. What if love was the ruling factor in that relationship that you had with that person? What if joy was a commitment? that that you made with that person in that relationship peace what if peace was like a core value we're gonna we're gonna be keep peace keepers no matter what patience kindness goodness come on faithfulness what if these things had been commitments that we'd remain solid to what if they'd been character qualities that were that were growing ever increasing in our lives wouldn't those relationships be markedly different Wouldn't they be a little easier to navigate if we even just could do our part, much less other people also bringing out these fruits in their lives? It would just be better. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. There's more to following Jesus. There's more that's available to us. There's more to this abundant life, but I think think these qualities are enough to keep us busy for the next seven weeks, so this is where we're going to focus. And each teacher who's going to get up each week is going to kind of unpack another one or two of these qualities, and we're going to talk about how they become real in our lives. One more thing I want you to notice on this slide before I go to the next one is that the word Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, um, has a capital S, okay? So sometimes as you're reading through your New Testament and you come upon the word Spirit, sometimes it has a small s and sometimes it has a capital S. When it's a capital S, that means it's God, the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit. These fruits are a product of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit living in our lives. When we are connected with the Holy Spirit, then these things come about. If we're not connected with God's Holy Spirit, then they're not. So I ask you, what is the core? What is the... What is the, 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 the center of, of following Jesus Christ? What does it mean to be a Christian? Does it mean that I come to church on Sunday mornings or I have a Sunday school class or a community group, women's Bible study? Does it mean that I have the cool t-shirts and jewelry that I get at women's Bible study and I wear those things, although I'm a big fan of all those things, um, love all that stuff. But that's not the core, is it? That's not how we know when we're really living the Christian life. Actually, the heart of the Christian life is becoming like Christ. My slide doesn't seem to be working. Chris, maybe you can take over from here. The heart of the Christian life is to become like Christ. And so these qualities, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the reason that these qualities um, are qualities that we are interested in is because these are the qualities that we see in the life of Jesus Christ himself. And, And as we walk with him, as we listen to him, as we lean into his presence, then these qualities are what will come out in us. All right. now to talk about how we develop these qualities how this really happens i'm going to take the backstory back even further before paul planted that church in galatia before he's a missionary and writing his missionary letters back to the life of jesus himself jesus um, taught his disciples how this fruit thing happens taught them how this vineyard thing happens now it was the last night i want you to to kind of I'm going to paint the picture of the context here the last night before the crucifixion so we find this passage in john chapter 15 the night before the crucifixion jesus is gathered with his disciples all of his closest friends They're in the upper room together. This is where they had the last supper. Jesus washed their feet and he starts teaching. And John records chapter after chapter of this discourse, this teaching time that he had with them that night. But Jesus doesn't just want to teach them. He's painting pictures in their imaginations because he knows what they don't know yet. And that is that he is about to be arrested. He's about to be tried. He's about to be um, taken into custody where he will be tortured and then killed. And he needs to be able to communicate with his followers. There's, life is going to go on without me. They're going to need strength and courage just to get through the trauma of the next couple of days. But then they are also going to need the ability to go on living with him and to know that life with him isn't over even after he's gone. Even after he's resurrected and then ascends into heaven, we're still going to be able to live with Jesus. And we do that in this way through the Holy Spirit. So he's trying to figure out uh, how to teach them how this is going to work. And he decides to use a wonderful metaphor to do it. Um, So I want you to kind of imagine with me. We're going to engage our imaginations as we read scripture this morning. Imagine the disciples in that upper room and imagine, actually, it's it's totally okay to go ahead and imagine that you're one of those disciples. And maybe the girls around your table, the girls in your group, maybe, maybe that's the little group of disciples that's with Jesus that night. You're gathered around. Jesus is teaching you. And then at one point, the meal is over. That part of the evening is over. And Jesus says, at the end of chapter 14, he says, come on, let's go. And so you get the idea that maybe they're standing up from the table, stretching out a little bit. Um, and then... They start to walk. They leave the upper room and they start to walk through town. Now, Jerusalem is set on the side of a hill, and so they're walking down into the hill, into the valley. And you might even start to recognize, if you're one of Jesus' followers, as you're walking, where you're going. Jesus is taking you to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows kind of what's in store but you have no idea what's in store for the Garden of Gethsemane but the garden was a place where the disciples hung out from time to time it was a fun place to hang out and just talk and um, talk about whatever happened during the day or when Jesus wants to teach maybe this is a good place where he liked to take his disciples so they're they're walking down and imagine you're in that group together um, walking down through town and suddenly Jesus stops Uh, He was always kind of teaching as he was walking. It was walking and talking at the same time. That's what he did a lot of. Jesus stops and he maybe asks everybody to kind of huddle close. He would do this sometimes when he had something important enough to say. He wanted to make sure nobody missed it. So he, he, he paused on the road, and everybody just kind of starts gathering around. Maybe as you do that, imagine yourself part of that group. You're huddling up close. You're finding yourself a, a comfortable enough spot that you can lean in, and you can listen to the voice of Jesus, and maybe you discover that he has actually paused in a vineyard. You can see the vines to your left and, and right. They're growing, it's springtime, so the buds are really early. The fruit is maybe just now becoming visible and it's it's right alongside you and maybe you can even reach down and touch the vines while you're listening to Jesus teach he is trying to communicate and he's gonna use this word picture to do it and here's how it goes I am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So I want to take a couple of minutes and make some observations. I think the next slide has some highlights on it. Back to the first section uh, with some words highlighted. Uh, Before we get to the highlighted words, however, I just want you to notice the main characters that Jesus mentions. He usually associates a character with a piece of the metaphor. Jesus says, I'm the vine. Jesus is the vine. And my Father, God the Father, is the gardener or the vine dresser The one uh, for whom we're all working. The one with the vision of what this life is going to be like in the vineyard. And you are the branches. He gets to that in the next section. You're the branches. So we know that Jesus, God the Son, God the Father, we're the branches. And here is not mentioned here, but very, very present here is the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus, in the upper room, before they left, before they left to go on their walk, in the upper room, Jesus has just introduced the Holy Spirit. He said, all of this I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. He's telling them that the Holy Spirit is going to come. In his absence, now they're going to have his presence through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, see, is that connection. In this metaphor, I see the Holy Spirit almost like sap that comes up through the vine and into the branches, giving all of that nourishment, all of that good stuff that the branches are going to need in order to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And so now I want you to notice the repetitions. Bearing fruit, remaining, being pruned. We're gonna look at some of those questions together here. We're gonna ask ourselves, bearing fruit uh, is is the whole goal of the whole enterprise. It's what God wants us to do. It's what will bring glory to God's name is if we're bearing fruit. So we're gonna talk about that. But what does it mean to remain? That's our first question. What does it mean to remain? That word is also translated abide. You may have heard it as abide. It's repeated 11 times in this, just those couple of paragraphs. Obviously, Jesus wanted us to understand this meaning, this idea of abiding or remaining with him. It means to stay connected. In Greek, the word is meno, and it means to stay in a given place or a state of expectancy a state of waiting it means to abide to continue to endure to be present to maintain presence in a place that's the greek word meno there's a beautiful hebrew word kavah with the same kind of meaning this hebrew word kavah is the word in the scripture that says wait on the lord wait on the lord to remain means to expectantly wait. It means to lean in, to listen, kind of like the disciples are probably doing right now in a garden somewhere. They're leaning into the voice of Jesus. They're, they're straining to listen to him so they don't miss a word that he says on this important, important night. So remaining means to, it, like exactly what you think it means, but it sounds like it means. It means to maintain connection. With God's Word through Bible study, through your connection with your friends, your friends who are also involved in, in Bible study and listening to the Word of God. It means leaning in to God's Word itself, listening to, to the message that comes from it. It means cultivating Christ centered friendships, people who love the Lord. It means personal time in prayer, actually talking to God and listening, talking and listening, conversational prayer with God. That's abiding. That's remaining. Remaining is how we're going to maintain this connection with God after Jesus is gone, which is obviously the only life with Jesus we've ever known because he's not physically here, is he? So we're going to follow him. If we're going to be disciples of his, we're going to have to learn how to remain how to abide how to lean into the voice of his presence the second question I want to talk about is what does it mean to be pruned this is a um, somewhat painful um, awkward little word that has to be in here in fact Jesus says that the the branches that bear fruit he prunes which doesn't seem fair to me I think you know If I'm bearing fruit, I should be left alone. (laughs) If I'm bearing fruit, I don't think you should go snipping on me. But uh, that's exactly what he does. He takes the branches that are bearing fruit, and he actually prunes those branches. Um, My grandfather, his name was Grandpa Bill. We called him Grandpa Bill. Um, He was a tree trimmer. Uh, And so around my hometown of Casper, Wyoming, there were many trees around my hometown that he took great pride in because he was the one who kind of mastered their, their shape and size and exactly where they were. He was like, that tree, that's my tree, and that's my tree. He took great ownership and pride in these trees. These are trees that he himself had trimmed through the years. And he taught me actually how to spot suckers. And at first, I wasn't even sure that I thought that was a nice word. But anyway, my grandpa was teaching me, so that's okay. So grandpa would would kneel down on the ground. He'd, He'd bring me over, draw me over to himself, and he would point out the branches of the tree that were suckers, that there are certain branches that shouldn't be there they're 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 alive they're fine they're okay but you know what they're doing is they're just stealing all of the sap and the energy and the good stuff from the rest of the tree and the whole tree is going to be better off if that tree if that branch is gone so i'm going to climb this ladder and i'm going to cut down that branch and i'm going to cut down that branch you see how that branch doesn't look very healthy and those are the branches i'm going to cut down they're suckers as long as you leave them there they're just going to suck the life out of everything that is good and useful and productive so he was going to cut out those suckers. I learned to recognize those suckers. Later in my spiritual life, I started thinking about suckers, time sucks, energy sucks, the kind of things that that suck the life out of us that don't necessarily need to be there. One year at Lent, um, during the season of Lent, I decided to give up morning television. I was like, it it had been a habit for me for many years of just turning on morning television while I was doing my hair and makeup and everything, listening to whatever it is, you know, that they are talking about, some lost child in Oregon or something like that, you know. Um, Things that that I probably couldn't do anything about. i just get myself all wrapped up and worried about and concerned about, but but, uh, not things that were immediate that I could really concern myself with. Um, I decided to give it up for Lent one year and I never went back I have not ever turned the television on in the morning again. I use that time for prayer You know what I think about I think about my friends who need prayer. I think about many of you I I Wonder how God might want to work in your lives. I use that time to focus my energy on on that instead of of morning television and it's just been something i've not ever wanted to go back to it's it's been a lovely change in my life it was a sucker you know it just didn't need to be there it was pulling my energy in another direction suckers can also be sin in our lives and there's sin that's not dealt with sin that's that's um repetitive the kind of sin that gets a hold of you and won't let you go that may be a sucker in your own life or it could just be anything that's fruitless. Let's talk about that. Let's, fruitless hobbies, fruitless friendships, fruitless ambitions, fruitless goals. Anything that might distract you from producing the fruit that God is looking for in your life. What does it mean to bear fruit? Last question. What does it mean to bear fruit? Bearing fruit is the gardener's whole goal. That's the whole goal of the entire enterprise of the vineyard is to bear much fruit. As we abide, as we lean in, as we listen for the voice of God, as we uh, gather with our girlfriends over Bible study, as we learn to pray for one another, uh, lead one another, encourage one another, As we maintain this this organic relationship with Jesus Christ by abiding, the Holy Spirit flows through Christ like like sap flows through a vine and into the branches, and we are strengthened by it. If this connection is maintained, then it's just inevitable that fruit is going to come out of it, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So I want to leave you with just a couple of questions to consider. Consider your daily routine. Consider uh, what the day looks like kind of from beginning to end. In a garden, in a vineyard, you need certain elements. Sunshine, nutrients in the soil, you need pleasant breezes. I've toured a few of these vineyards. A lot of them are on the slopes of hillsides, so that the wind and the breezes can get to the grapes. They lift the grapes up off the ground, so that they can, so that they can receive the wind and the sunshine, and the right amounts of all of it. The gardener is the one bringing all these elements to bear. Think about your life. What are what are some elements? that you might be missing or might be low on? What kind of nutrients maybe you could add to your daily routine to help produce this great fruit? And the second question is, are there any suckers in your life? Any distractions? Anything that maybe is pulling energy, time, energy away from this whole ambition, this whole enterprise of the garden? fruitless friendships, fruitless hobbies, fruitless time, fruitless TV shows, whatever it is that's maybe, maybe not maximizing your opportunity to bear fruit. Because bearing fruit is the goal. It is the glory of God, says verse 8. It's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. And we don't bear fruit only to look good or only to be fruity. (laughs) We want to bear fruit, not so that we'll look really good in a fruit bowl, but so that the fruit that we bear will actually provide the nourishment for people around us for our community of friends, for the women in our Bible study groups. This fruit is meant to nourish others. in, In the vineyard, the grapes will grow, they'll get big, they'll look like they're about to burst, but unless they are harvested, unless they're crushed, unless the juice runs out of them, they'll never provide nourishment for anyone else. The end of the process is that the fruit that we bear nourishes the community around us, our friends, our family, our neighbors. Think about it. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of these virtues, you you can't enjoy those in isolation. They only work in community with other people. And so that's the view. That's the viewpoint of the gardener. That's the glory of the gardener himself. A gardener's glory is his beautiful garden. A vinekeeper's, a vine dresser's glory is a beautiful vineyard. God's glory is all of us showing each other all these things love, joy, peace, patience. We cooperate with that by adding things and removing things from our lives, providing elements removing elements as we are in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna dedicate you to that purpose over the next six weeks, to really think about how each of these wonderful fruits can come to life in your life, can be part of the nourishment that you can offer to your friends, to one another in your group, then back at home in your marriages, with your kids, with your siblings, with your parents, those relationships that are sometimes complicated, but always enriched by fruit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us to be part of this beautiful picture of a vineyard. Thank you for remaining connected to us, teach us to remain connected to you and help us as we do to feel that life-giving nutrition that life-giving sap just fill us up help us to live our best and truest selves out of that nutrition that we receive from you help us to know what it is to bear much fruit and bring glory to your name abba father And it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. Enjoy your groups.